What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pilgrim Talk, Theology for Sojourners. I am John Sweat, and this is my co-host, Spencer Grusing. Howdy, howdy. And we're just two ordinary pilgrims staying strapped, walking around the city of man. <laughs> That's obviously a figure of speech. I think uh, the pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress carried a melee weapon. If I were to do a, a, a new version of Pilgrim's Progress, he would probably carry like a fifty cal. Yeah. Um, he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator. Or even just a clock. Yeah, we've already digressed. But <laughs> in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, discipline, and in particular, self-discipline in the Christian life, and why every Christian should pursue, desire, and pray for discipline. And so we're going we're gonna to define what we mean by that, and we're going to unpack that a little bit. Spencer is laughing at my pronunciation, or maybe it's my list. Oh, I'm sorry, man. But as yeah. we get started, I want to remind you to go ahead and give us that review. Leave us a comment on our Facebook page. But let's jump right in this, Spence, by asking the question, what is self-discipline? And you'll notice that there's a modifier attached there to discipline, self. Wow, really profound. But but the reason why I want to talk about it in that way, self-discipline rather than just discipline, is it pinpoints more directly kind of where we're going in this conversation, right? Indeed, self-discipline uh, can and does involve a, a level of, of corrective discipline. Um, but but what is self-discipline in particular? Well, I would say self-discipline, at its most basic form, is the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses or the ability to, to pursue what one thinks is right despite temptations to abandon it. So you could talk about self-discipline with other other similar words like control, self-mastery, self-restraint, willpower, strength of will, firmness, resolve. But but even more basic than that definition, self-discipline is the control of one's body, right? Being able to, to restrain or engage according to the situation, right? There's times where we have to restrain withhold ourselves, put our tongues in check, put our emotions in check. But there's other times where we need to engage in the fight and deal with something head on, right? Self-discipline means we know how to endure rather than quit. We know how to enjoy without addiction. We know how to be emotionally invested in our relationships and our lives without at the same time being controlled by our emotions, right? Self-disciplined individuals are not controlled by their appetites. They're not controlled by their emotions. They're not controlled by their weaknesses. They're not controlled by their lust. They're not controlled by their temptations. And and this is uh, Christianizing this a little bit. I don't think Jocko Willink, the famous <laughs> Navy SEAL, means it this way. But in one sense, it is true that discipline, discipline equals freedom. The person who has self-discipline is free in a far greater sense than the person who is constantly controlled by their emotions, appetites, lust, or, or what have you. So what does that what does that look like, John? So when I say discipline equals freedom, um, and and I guess my uh, one one quick um, little side question is: Would you say that self discipline as a term is synonymous with uh, a biblical term? You know that I'm sure a lot of listeners are thinking of uh, self control. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Certainly, there's a lot of uh, worldly, and I don't mean worldly here in a purely negative sense, but a worldly philosophy of self-discipline, right? Mm -hmm. You see it in guys like Jocko Willink or uh, even, you know, Joe Rogan, David Mm -hmm. Goggins, uh, 
a lot of guys I like to listen to because they're talking about things that, frankly, people in the Christian world are not talking about with men yeah. and why they should do those things. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, self-control would be a great way. It's this idea of being able to do all things in moderation. It's, uh, in particular in our context being men, it's able to be, um, the man in the arena for whatever the situation calls for that you have such self-control that whether you're dealing with, um, your family in a situation, you handle that in a way. And, and, but then you're out, uh, on the job dealing with other men, leading men, and you're going to talk to them and lead them in a different way. There's just this idea of this holistic, uh, moderation, control, uh, appropriateness, right? Uh, this focused vision, um, on what really matters, right? If someone who's not going to, this is what, this is what I mean by discipline equals freedom. Someone who has no self-control, they are always distracted, um, by the, by the pettiness the, the smallness um, of of rhythms that come in our life, the 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 uh, distracting task, always losing losing focus on the greater goal. They uh, overindulge. They uh, are easily addicted to things. They g- give way to their temptations out of in the name of comfort, um, right? And that's what I'm, that's what I'm, exactly I want to say is you know the op what what is the opposite of self discipline? Well, the opposite of self discipline or or self control to use the biblical word, the opposite of that is self indulgence, mm-hmm. which which in uh, from a Christian worldview, self indulgence reeks of pride. It's self-love, it's self-glory, all of which imprison the individual to their appetites, to their temptations, and to the God of comfort and safety. Yeah, I can think of two texts right off the top of my head. Um, Proverbs 25, 28 speaks to that. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And then another one, 2 Peter 2.19, they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. And I, listen to that. Whatever overcomes a person, to that he's enslaved. Whatever controls yeah. you, you were enslaved to that. Yeah. You were enslaved to that. You know, Spence, I was going to use a Lord of the Rings illustration of Helm's Deep. You but those, have, were, man. those walls, well, listen, those walls were broken into, though. <laughs> They held for a long time. Yeah. Um, but a man without self-control is like a broken city into it. Or broken is like a city broken into and left without walls. Think of uh, ancient warfare and how pivotal a, a fortified wall would be. Those who are within that wall, who have taken a defensive position against the enemy, it is a very difficult thing for that enemy then to breach that wall and to find victory in that war. Mm-hmm. Right? And a, and a man or a woman, Christian man, Christian woman who has self-control, they have a mastery over themselves uh, that is like a fortified wall where they're able to stand on the wall. They're able to see the enemy. They're able to see the objective. They're able to see, hey, that would be fun, but that's a temporary comfort. I'm going to lay that aside um, or, or, or whatever. And I think that that text in particular from Proverbs is is quite illuminating for us. But let's let's move a little further here, Spence. So we've talked a little bit about what it is. Um, I want to I want to raise the bar a little bit and say this: self discipline, or to use the biblical term in those texts, self control, is a fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So if it's a fruit of the spirit, what I'm then saying is that it is something that a Christian uh, has to some degree. And we can clarify that, what we mean by that, because no one is 
perfect in their self-discipline. Mm. But it's it's something that a Christian has. It's something that a Christian pursues. It's something that a Christian prays for. So let me give a few more texts to maybe to maybe show this a little bit here. So we've got Second Timothy one seventeen, and in Second Timothy one seven, or sorry, Second Timothy one seven, just to summarize, Paul tells us that the Christian has received not the spirit of fear, but rather the spirit of power, love, and self control. It is interesting that the Holy Spirit in whom we've been given at salvation is described as a spirit of self control. Um, to go further, first P- first Peter four seven, Peter says, "The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers." Peter actually says earlier in chapter uh, chapter one of that same epistle to gird up the loins of your mind. Right, be sober-minded. A piece in this self-control is is having the wherewithal, the mindset, the focus on the goal of the Christian life. What really matters? We're, you know, back to this pilgrim theology theme. We're moving towards the heavenly city. And so we're able to live in God's world, enjoy God's good gifts, but not be mastered by any of them. We are mm-hmm. moving forward with a singular focus, a singular yeah. gaze. To not get anchored down in some of the more enjoyable places that, you know, like you said, it's not wrong to enjoy them, but to not get bogged down there, to not stay there, to keep on moving towards the goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is why I think Steve Olson rightly says, he says, quote, growth in personal holiness is largely determined by our progress in self-discipline. Without this foundational discipline, there can be no advancement in grace. Before other disciplines can be administered, whether in the home, business, or church, there must, must, there first must be self-discipline. Yeah. So, We've been harping on self-discipline, 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 self-control, master ourselves. What about Christian freedom? What about my, my freedom as an individual, right? So how are you going to tell me that I have to be disciplined, right? Isn't that kind of legalistic? Isn't that a, a, a binding of my conscience? Well, first, if, if I think that's a great question, Spence. We we um, that is often something that would be said in this kind of discussion, and this is why I think the church, um, having a good soteriology anywhere else, uh, preaching uh, the positive commands of Scripture for the Christian life everywhere yeah. else, get to something like this, and it's like either it's legalism or oh, that sounds self-helpy. Yeah. Well, or maybe, maybe, maybe it's just bringing the hammer down too hard. That could be an objection. Oh, uh, of the need for self-discipline. Right. Yeah. Sure. I would say the way that you preach imperatives in the text, of not done properly, if not done in the context of what Christ has done for the Christian, it can. Yeah. However, however, I would. This is a side trail. Sometimes we qualify a text. To death, we we take the punch away. Yeah, there's texts that are supposed to punch us, man. Yeah, they do. Um, and and we're not here saying be self disciplined in order to gain favor with God. Right. Be self disciplined in order to to uh, increase in your status before God. 
I'm saying a fruit of being united to Christ is self-discipline. Why? Because you've been given the spirit of self-control. Why? Because Galatians 5, uh, 19 through 21 lists self-control as a fruit of the spirit. Right. There's a way that we could do this where it's, oh, well, you're, you know, some sort of perfectionism, right? You're not you're not perfect in your self-control or you overindulged mm-hmm. in this or you slept in this morning or you're you're slacking on your spiritual disciplines. Um, two, we're not saying – or maybe this is three. I've lost count. But I'm also <laughs> not saying that self-control is this mechanism by which we guarantee sanctification. Right. It's a means. Um, in, in the same way that you wouldn't say when you're talking about spiritual disciplines, right? Things like reading your Bible, praying, mm-hmm. spending fasting. time with God's people, fasting, mm-hmm. all of those things. Those are things we should be doing in a desire to grow in godliness, to grow in our knowledge of God. But we're not saying just because you do these things, you're automatically going to be the You're going to merit part. something from it, right? Right. Um, we, we do those things because we love God, because we've tasted and seen and known his goodness and grace through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and and what I would also just say as a warning, sometimes Christians, because of their sin and because they love their sin, I'm talking about Christians here, in-house language, they use their freedom in Christ as an excuse for their sin. They use their freedom in Christ as an excuse for their excess, as an excuse for their laziness, as an excuse for their passiveness. And what I'm saying is, yes, we're free in Christ, but we're we're free to then free from sin and free to then be servants of Christ. Right. Who indeed yoke is his yoke is light. Yeah. And it is easy to bear. But we are no longer servants of sin, Paul says, Romans 6. We are servants to Christ. And so our freedom is not uh our freedom is not just this blanket blank check then to, to live as if we please, but rather do whatever we want, right. Right. It's a freedom that is lived out in light of the goodness of God that we take that we've tasted through Jesus Christ. Right. Because as new creatures we have new affections. We have new tastes. Yeah. Right. And so we're gonna chase after those things. Right. Right. And, and there's still a war within, right? Mm-hmm. And there there's uh there's a com- uh, competing of affections, but Yeah, Romans seven the Christians should be praying for greater self-discipline, right? Greater self-control, right. moderation, things like that. And uh, so that's Paul's whole point, by the way, in, in, in Romans 5, or Galatians 5, excuse me. He talks about how our freedom in Christ uh, is a freedom from the law, but, but it's a freedom unto Christ. Um, and one of the characteristics of this freedom is... Self-discipline. So freedom in Christ is in harmony with self-discipline. And uh, I'll just say this to to raise the bar a bit more. Where there is no self-discipline, there is no discipleship. Now, I'm not saying, Christian, if you're feeling a lack of self-discipline in your life, that you're not a Christian. But I'm saying, uh, and I'm not saying you're not a disciple of Christ necessarily. What I'm saying is if there's no self-discipline in your life, there is no discipleship. You are not growing in godliness, right? And I would say if you are a Christian, that then means that the Lord will bring discipline, corrective discipline, like I talked about at the beginning, on you because you're his children and you lack self-discipline. And Hebrews 12 talks about that fatherly discipline that comes from the Lord. But it may be put a bow on this before we move a little further. Think about it this way. A disciplined Christian man or woman can enjoy the gifts of God to the fullest, and yet they can be free from them because they hold all things in proper proportion 
being a master of all things, but being controlled by none except for the pursuit of the glory of God by the Spirit. That is the only thing that should control and constrain um, uh, the Christian, is the pursuit of the glory of God through the power of the Spirit. So, and, it, and maybe one more thing here, Spence. It's interesting that of all the things that Paul lists for the qualifications of a spiritual leader, in particular a pastor, he talks about self-discipline, Titus 1.8. Yeah. Self-discipline. My question then is, why then are there so many pastors who give us the prime example of what a lack of self-discipline actually looks like? Whether it's poor physical health, their workaholics, unstable homes, uh, lazy. Maybe they're maybe they're self-disciplined in one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Preparing a sermon or fulfilling administrative tasks. But the Christian man who's to lead leads well in all areas and is self-controlled in all areas. Yeah, and we want to be careful. What we're not saying here is that those who are ridden with disease or legitimate health issues um, you know, children that have, you know, behavioral, like true behavioral issues because of chemical imbalances or whatever, things that, that might cause an unstable home or poor health, not all cases of those things, you know, deem a man as having a lack of self-discipline. That's definitely not what we're saying. Um, but if, you know, if you are marked by having fast food every day and giving no concern whatsoever about your health, then, you know, that, that is what we're saying. Yeah. Or no concern for rest or anything. And, right. And the distinction here, <clears throat> the distinction here, Spence, and I think that's an excellent qualification. I am not trying to browbeat pastors. I don't have any pastors in my life in particular that I have in mind, but the, the distinction here that I, that we're trying to make is is the spiritual leader in the church, his life should be characterized by a pursuit of self-discipline, not right. a perfection, not a perfection of self-discipline. Uh, that, that's an impossibility for any of us. Right. But I respect a man of God who says, you know what, uh, I, I'm, I am trying to, to master my body in a way so that I am self-disciplined, so I can exercise self-control over every area of my life so that I can, so that I can be fashioned into a sharper tool to be used for Christ. Yeah. Right. That's the yeah. thing. Um, I mean, some of these Southern Baptist brothers, they have so many potlucks. I mean, good night. <laughs> the big and tall ain't big enough for them. You know what and I'm they're saying? not allowed to dance to work the food off. Nope. No, can't dance. Can't dance. So, and uh, so let, let's then get real practical here, Spence. What does God glorifying self-discipline look like? What would be the first thing you would say? I'd say that it is spirit-empowered, right? Um, So it's going to be characterized by prayer and rest. And again, prayer not being... A tool that you know, if I if I do a if I if I pray, then you know B is going to happen. God's going to reward me, but you know God uses prayer as a means uh, to work through us. And um, you know, Paul writes in Philippians two, verse thirteen: "For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure." Um, so I, I'd say that 
that being empowered by the spirit is going to be a characteristic of biblical self-discipline, biblical self-control for sure. It's going to have uh, good motivations behind it and, um, and an acknowledgement that, that God is empowering us to do that. Right. It's not, it's not a mere self-will. It's not a mere something that, that I'm, I'm the one pulling myself up by my bootstraps, right? It's God's helping me do that. Yeah, so so here would be a good place to make that distinction that while there are a lot of self-help books, and I'm not saying that the Christian has no business reading them, they need mm-hmm. to just understand that there's a lack of, of Christian worldview. There's a lack of a motive in those books right. to be all about the glory of God. But here's a good distinction between God-given, spirit-enabled, and generated self-discipline Right. And just a basic self-help book. Here it is. Right, exactly. It is. That it, it, the, the Christian self-discipline is not sola bootstrappa, right? right. <laughs> to, to add a quick sola to the Reformation. It's not just work harder, pull at your bootstraps, be a man, and do what you need to get done. Though for men, especially in the church, that conversation needs to be had. But we recognize that biblically speaking – this self-discipline is a fruit of the Spirit, which then comes by way of the Spirit's work in the individual's life. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it isn't just effort. It isn't just individual uh, pure will, but it is a recognition that it is God who works in us. And so we need to be in prayer that God would do that. We need to rest in the Spirit's work in us. Yeah. Dependence on Him. And that, that thing goes right along with this. The, the second thing I would say, and here's this effort piece, spirit, or, uh, God-glorifying self-discipline is not only spirit-empowered, but it's arduous effort. That, that, that also there's a pursuit and a resolve in the person to be self-disciplined, right? We cut the verse short, but Philippians 2.13, which Spencer just read, the very first, the very verse before that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Right? And then the ground, the ground for working out your salvation with fear and trembling, which, by the way, it's not talking about your justification there. It's talking about your growth and godliness, sanctification, being saved from the power of sin, not some works-based salvation, but we're talking about yeah. a Christian who is seeking to grow in holiness. Right? You're to work out your salvation. You're to grow in holiness, sanctification with fear and trembling. Why? Verse 13. For it is God who works in you both the will and to do his good pleasure. But this means that the believer trains, practices, and strains to grow in the godly virtue of self-discipline. All the while recognizing what Jesus said in John 15, that without me, you can do nothing. Right. And uh, Paul in particular has a, a, a great verse, I think, in 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27, that I think makes this, just draws this beautiful picture for us. He says, starting in verse 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. But we, or sorry, uh, exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. So notice, notice what he says here. He says the the athlete exercises self control, self discipline in all things. Right. For what purpose? For the prize at the end. Yeah. For the prize at the end. 
and the athlete does this for a perishable prize, how much more so you, Christian, do you exercise self-control for an imperishable prize? Paul goes on then to make the connection to his own life. He says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating in the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to, other, preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Yeah. And that makes it pretty clear, I would, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty convicting. So Lawson says this, Steve Lawson again, he says this kind of self-discipline is a rebuke to half-hearted Christians who do little to train for spiritual victory. They are out-of-shape believers with flabby faith. They are spiritual couch potatoes with bulging spiritual waistlines. And their lifestyle is self-indulgent due to their lack of self-control. And isn't it crazy there? And Lawson may have talked about this in a greater context of where he was speaking, but that Christians that are often like that spiritually, they have some pretty significant areas just in life as well, right? Like, so not to separate their faith from any aspect of their life, but, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be really hard pressed to say that, you know, I know some lazy Christians that aren't also lazy in some other areas, whether it's at work or in school um, or in, you know, some of the relationships that they have in their lives. Um, I think one definitely leaks into the other. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right there. It's in, in this, this brings us to our third, third, uh, their third point here of what God glorifying self-discipline looks like. It's holistic. It's holistic. Yeah. It's both physical and spiritual. We uh, have a really uh, hard time at not severing um, the Christian life physically and spiritually, right? Um, we, we, we think of one or the other. And Paul does say, by the way, in 1 Timothy 4, 8, he says, uh, he says what does he say? He says uh, in 1 Timothy 4, 8, while bodily training is of some value, Paul does not discount that bodily training is of some value. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, he says, he says, but godliness is of value in every way as it holds the promise for the present life and also for life to come. But I want to add to that and not to add to scripture, but just, just as an implication. Heretic. If you are not, <laughs> you're funny. If you are not being a good steward of your body, then you are going to disqualify yourself. Uh, especially let's just talk to the men for a second here. If you want to lead other men, uh, if you want to lead your family to live balanced and, and uh, uh, biblical lives that honor God, that, that upholds a, a healthy view of stewardship with all that you have, including your body, um, then, then there's going to be a major disconnect there between what people see and, and what you're saying. I'm not saying that everyone has to be a savage in the gym. Uh, some people might not be able to work out, but there's there's whatever stewardship God has given you with the body that you have, with all of its ailments and illnesses and pains, steward that well. But, you know, Spence, physical dis or, uh, self-discipline is more than just physical discipline, right? Right. It's uh, holistic. It's work, working hard, but also understanding 
a need for rest. It's absolutely having that spiritual and physical fitness. It's a recognition of uh, the imperative to redeem the time for the days are evil. And it also means being present and engaged in all realms of life, whether that's work, family, church, or community. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting real quick um, that at least personally, whenever I think of somebody who's like extremely self-disciplined, I never think, Oh, that person knows how to rest well. Right. I, I, I typically think of, and I think it's in a wrong way. You're thinking of me. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, you rest a lot, Mr. Call of Duty. Um, but, um, Slaying I, bodies I, physically I, and spiritually. <laughs> I never, I never, I never have rest in my mind as, as, as being a characteristic of somebody that I would, you know, deem to be super self-disciplined. But I think that is a, a critique that we should, that we should hold on to. I think that rest is very much uh, something that, that has to be in the life of someone who's self-disciplined because rest is what's going to help fuel your hard work. And if you don't get enough rest, you're probably, you're definitely not, um, um, paying attention to, to other areas of life. Um, because you just, you just keep going and you don't stop. Yeah. Well, that's a critique to me, Spence, it, you know, and, uh, that's a critique for anyone who thinks they're uber self-disciplined, but they, they have, uh, no awareness of their God given need for rest. Yeah. Right. And that's something I struggle with. Um, so, but, and so, but what I used to think is my productivity, the amount of things that I could get done in a week, the the extremes that I could push myself without sleep and all of those things, I used to wear that legalistically as a badge of honor, as a super mm-hmm. Christian. Yeah. What the Lord has recently shown me in these past six months is actually, no, part of being a super Christian, that's not a category I made up, but part of being a, a mature Christian is being self-disciplined, which includes, self-discipline includes rest yeah and uh that's been something hard for me to uh to wrestle with for sure yeah well as we're wrapping this up spence let's answer one last question here and that is how do i cultivate this kind of discipline right it's spirit empowered it takes effort it's holistic Mm -hmm. um what would you say first to this answering this question yeah um well, I think I think one aspect is understanding what the benefits are um, of cultivating discipline, because we never do something because we don't want to, right? We 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 are always going to do something because we want to, in some ultimate sense, even even if we have conflicting feelings about it. You know, I, you know, I always hear people say, oh, you know, I, I really didn't want to do this, but I did it anyway. Well, yeah, you had feelings, you know, inside of you and and thoughts inside of you that, that, you know, were at conflict, but ultimately you did want to do what you did or else you wouldn't have done it. Right. Um, So I I really think that, that, that taking a look at some of the the true lasting benefits that come from discipline is, is going to help us to, um, to, to start to motivate us to cultivate it. 
Yeah, I think you're spot on. It's this idea of the sort of eyes on the prize, if you will, right? Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Yeah, exactly. All these other things will be added unto you. Or what Paul says in Philippians 3, 8, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. All that Paul did was motivated, right, <clears throat> by knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I count all things as lost. I buffeted my body. I was self-controlled in all things because I had my eyes on the prize. I was pressing toward the mark for the glory of God. And, you know, John Bloom makes this point on this very thing you're talking about, uh, Spence. He talks about how self-discipline doesn't merely come from someone who admires self-discipline. It doesn't come from someone loathing their lack of self-discipline or even being merely just only resolve to do better, right? Oh, this year's my year. Yeah. This year. And what I've been saying is, man, you had the whole month of December to, to be more self-disciplined. Like, oh, man, in 30 days, it's going to be my year. <laughs> That's a stupid look. New Year's resolutions, I may, I do make a few, but they are, they are stupid in the sense that you think that those are going to give you, uh, give you self-discipline, yeah. um, right? The power of self-discipline, John Bloom says, comes from the prize. Whatever we really want, the reward we believe will yield us the greatest pleasure mm, yeah and uh what is what is our prize but knowing christ growing in godliness and wanting to be a sharp tool uh that is used for his honor and his glory yeah um all of our heroes of the faith were self-disciplined people self-control uh not perfectly okay certainly we reach <laughs> this they're full of sin and imbalances that we could find yeah um, but they were able to, by the power of the Spirit and through effort, um, exercise control over all things so that they might pursue the prize. So first thing I would say to, to how do I cultivate self-discipline is keep your eye on the prize. Man, keep your eye on what you were created for, what God has made you for, and that is for his glory. Yeah. And in particular, uh, to um, grow in the knowledge of Christ. And let that motivate all that you do. The second thing I would say is identity. You know, here's this little gospel-centered uh, juke that I'm going to make that we just critique, but it's still true. Our identity in Christ is the core of who we are, not our discipline. Right. So this frees us. This frees us to learn from our sin. It frees us to learn from our failure. And it frees us to continue to practice self-discipline even when we feel the lack thereof. Right. Right. Um. What else, Spence? We were just thinking about how, what are some things we can do to intentionally try to cultivate self-discipline in our lives. Yeah, so uh, one thing that immediately comes to mind is accountability, right? We want to have friends and other believers come alongside us who are aware of what we're trying to do, who are aware of our, our conviction to you know that, hey, man, you know, I need to, I really need to be more disciplined with my um you know, my, my spiritual habits, uh, my spiritual disciplines and, um, or, you know, even, even brother, dude, I have so much time in the day and I don't exercise at all. I really need to at least go, you know, a couple times a week, you know, and, and just get some exercise. It's good for me. It's, it's good for, it's good for us spiritually even. Uh, but, but connecting other friends and family, um, other believers to, be able to hold us accountable, to check in with us, to uh, make sure that we are consistently striving towards that same goal, right? Because I know every single listener here knows 
of a time that they got on fire for something and you know it, it may have lasted a week or a month but that week and month goes by and you start to get distracted by other things something else comes up in life something else you know whatever it, whatever it is whatever x is um we need people to help remind us and say hey listen you told me how big of a deal this was to you and and these were some of the the reasons that you gave for that you know I, i'm here to remind you of those reasons to remind you of this prize that's at the end and to help steer us back to that path. Um, so definitely, definitely accountability. Yeah. It's that iron sharpening iron principle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm in a group text with some guys that were doing, a a race here in the new year. And so we, we upload, uh, each day or, or whenever we do our workouts to kind of motivate each other. <laughs> And I'll be feeling lazy one day. And one guy uh, sends, sends a text to the group at uh, a god-awful time, like 5.30 a.m. in the morning. And he's like, oh, man, I just ran five miles. My lungs were burning a little bit, uh, but I made it through. And there I am rolling out of bed at 6, seeing the text going, <laughs> oh, you so sorry. But, I mean, that's just something in the physical realm. But but that's true for spiritual things as well. You, you want people in your life who themselves are pursuing self-discipline. And right. if you've got people in your life who aren't, uh, I'm, t- I'm talking in particular about Christian brothers and sisters. I'm not saying abandon them, but you need to find you some brothers and sisters who, who are trying to pursue a life of self-discipline, self-control for the glory of God. Yeah, And that will serve you immensely. Two last things, and we'll close, Spence. Is, the fourth thing I would say in cultivating uh, self-discipline, self-control is prepare for battle, right? So remove the obstacles, remove the excuses, yeah. make a plan, make things as easy as possible. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of what that looks like because I think we'll, we'll, we'll become too specific there. Yeah. Um, but whatever area of life it is that you lack self-control, uh, that you feel like you're not doing a good job of glorifying God, making the best use of your time, spending time in the word, uh, being a good steward of your body, being a good steward of the time you have with your family, all those things. Uh, remove obstacles, remove excuses, and make a plan. And uh, last, but I think the most important, as we've already hit on, rest. Yeah. Right? Bad resters, Paul Ma- Maxwell says, make bad workers. And, uh, and we need to rest. We need to realize that resting is part of getting things done, part of being self-controlled. And in that time of rest, it helps us to stop refocus, spend time with the Lord in those, in those more intense times of rest where we can be still and we'll often be reminded of what the prize is. We'll be often reminded of what the objective is. Well, all the things that clouded our vision and the busyness and the stress and the strain and the struggle, those things will wipe away and we'll once again be reminded of what we're pursuing. So let me just close then with this quote uh, not this quote, but this verse from Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Titus says, or Paul says to Titus, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled. Notice, the grace of God that has appeared, that brings salvation for all people, that grace of God trains us to renounce and to live to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for a blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness 
and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So, as we continue to make our way to the heavenly city, walking to and from the Lord's day, may we pursue, pray, pray for uh, self-control in all of us.